You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Well, hello and welcome to TFM's local watering hole. Just so excited to be here today. And and Chris, Chrissy, are you? I don't. Uh, hold on. Let me let me text her and see if she's gonna gonna show up. Um, sorry, guys. I figured she would already be here. Um, huh? There's just a lot of blue here where I've tried to get in touch with her and. Uh, oh wait, three dots, three dots. Chrissy, you texted me eleven times in two days. I, I mean, emojis don't count. Yes, they do. Dang it! <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, well, we are going to have a blast today. We're going to be talking about a, a new movie that's uh, just showed up not too long ago on uh, Apple TV called Ghosted, starring Chris Evans and Anna de Armas. Before we reach that, just always we love the fact that you're listening. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And we would uh, also like it if you would do a few things for us that could really help us out big time. One, if you like the show uh, and you like what we do, uh, please make sure you're subscribed and uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast. And that means you'll get the podcast as soon as it drops. Uh, and of course, we'll have the bonus shows that'll be coming to you as well. And uh, we would really appreciate it if you would follow us over on Twitter. Uh, we're uh, we've got our own handle at the six hundred two club. We're also on Instagram at the six hundred two club TFM. You can also share our shows with people. The one of the best ways for a podcast to grow is word of mouth, as well as social media word of mouth. So if you like the show, share it with people, retweet us, and stuff like that. Uh, you can also find us on. Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm where the entire network. We've got a listeners-only discussion group there on Facebook that you can join. It's called the Babel Conference. You can talk to listeners from all over the world about the different shows that are happening here. You can also find us online at trek.fm. That's our website where every single show that we've got going on is housed, and you can see all that we've got. Uh, and also, uh, we would really appreciate if you would go over to Patreon. That allows you to be able to support the network and make sure that all of these podcasts that we do here on the network keep coming to you each and every week. And to do that, you'd want to go over to patreon.com slash trekfm. So, Christy, before we even dive into the movie, um, I thought that this was really interesting that... This was a film that was not only going to star Chris Evans, uh, but it was also going to star Scarlett Johansson. And of course, you know, we all knew that they had great rapport because we've seen them together in the Avengers films. You know, I, I especially think of just how good they were together in Winter Soldier. Uh, and so... She had to back out, though, because she had a previous commitment that she... Uh, you know, created a scheduling conflict. So they uh, brought in Anna Darmus. So I wanted to ask you before we even kind of dove into the film, now that we've seen this, um, do you feel as though 
that's a missed opportunity to where you feel like the film might have been even better than it it was not giving away what we thought of the movie but just could have been a even better film if if it had been you know those uh two together i think with this the casting choices you i love both of them but you needed one or the other i think that together they just don't have the chemistry that either one of them have had as good with other actors so i i kind of missed having either chris evans and scarlett johansson together or anna de Armas and you know daniel craig um <laughs> yeah. you know um but just the two of them together it just felt like brother and sister for me and so trying to make that the romance side really come to life in this movie between Anna Darmus and Chris Evans felt awkward for me. But what about you? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I didn't know this until after we watched the movie, my wife and I together. And, you know, I, I, Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson, I think, have already proven the fact that they have incredible chemistry together and you know there was i think especially i think you know winter soldier just showed how much palpable kind of like sexual tension that they could have in the room together which is oh yeah really important um and and so i don't dislike chris evans and anna de armas together but I don't know if it's the same type of chemistry that we already know that Scarlett Johansson and, and Chris Evans have. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I can understand as to why they cast Anna de Armas in the film because right. of, you know, what we had seen her be able to do in No Time to Die. Uh, and of course, you know, she also was in The Gray Man, you know, and she's about to be in Ballerina. So, I mean... She's definitely got the ability to pull off the action vibe that you want, uh, as well as I think she um, has the ability to do uh, the, the, the type of role that they needed her here where she's fun, no nonsense, can make uh, and, and I think pull off the quips that you'd, you'd want um, and everything with ease. You know, I, I think she has all of that. But I wasn't quite in the place, I think, where you are, where it felt more like brother and sister. But knowing, I think it doesn't, it kind of hurts retrospectively to know that they wanted Scarlett Johansson for this role. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but yeah, I, I guess, you know, talking just about Chris Evans then and Adonis together, um, did it work well enough for you? Did you like it at all? Or was it completely this thing where you weren't buying what they were trying to sell you? I wasn't buying it. <laughs> but I mean, like I said, that's why I wanted to make it clear. It's not that I dislike either one of them. I think it's just the two of them together. It just feels like it. it's not earned or something is missing. It was just weird for me. Um it felt like there were people in the room going, oh, the sexual tension, you can feel it. And I'm going, can you? <laughs> yeah, I I could definitely understand what you're saying. I, I still don't think for me it was as bad. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't think it was is quite as not there as what you're thinking um, or, or feeling. But I also agree with you that it did feel almost like forced in the sense that, yeah, everybody keeps talking about it. And and instead of like us just feeling it, 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 it almost feels like it might have been better if they just hadn't had the joke repeatedly. You guys need to get a room, you know? Right. Yeah, I think. I think if they had just let it build kind of more organically, you know, uh, that that might have been um, that might have actually worked better uh, than than what we get, which is like you said, we're kind of told it seems like every 10 minutes, especially in the first third of the film, uh, that they need to get a room, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and so I, I agree with you. Do you think that would have helped at all? Do you feel like you might have been able to buy it more if people weren't trying to tell you what you should be feeling? Maybe. Um, I mean, it, it wouldn't have made a huge difference for me. I think still, ultimately, it just could have been better because it sure, seems like sure. you kind of felt the same way, but not quite as far on that end as I did. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a spectrum. I think you're farther along on the spectrum of it, like not working. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm somewhere more in the middle where it's like it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't like the best I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I just wanted to add that didn't help it was leaning into the joke too much, which even seemed to go that way with some of the cinematography choices. Um, I don't know what you thought of the scene where they're finally, you know, at her place together, but it seemed a little over the top intentionally, the amount of times that they filmed with a sheet flowing in the wind or something <laughs> in the love scene. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I never even <laughs> I wasn't even really thinking about that, uh, you know, um, but I, I can I mean, I, I can totally get where it, if for you. You know, the the thought that these two people might actually want to go to bed together, right, um, is not working for you, then then I can totally see why, too, you're, like, obsessing about the sheet at the moment when they're in bed instead of being like, oh, isn't that cute, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I 100% <laughs> uh, hear what you're saying, and, and I, I don't really think that we're all that far off either um, from one another, you know? um. And I do think it is it is sad that you know Scarlett Johansson was not able to do this because I think it what they wanted would have worked gangbusters, of course, uh, because we've already seen it work, right? And 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 you can tell mm-hmm. that's the reason that they had tried to put these two in the film in the first place because they had seen what had happened there, and they basically I think wanted to do that. In some ways, you know, they wanted to have this like all shucks everyday guy kind of like get involved with a super spy. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what Captain America and Black Widow are. Uh, And so I could I mean, this this and it's even the same people. So but yeah, they don't get that. And and yeah, I, I don't think that they quite pull it off the way that you would want. Um and that's that's too bad because like you, I like both of these people, um, you know, yeah. with, I mean, and I, I've liked pretty much 
most of the things I've seen them in. So, um, and, and regard what's, what's crazy too, is usually regardless of whether I like the movie or not, I usually like them. Uh, and so that, that's, yeah, when you put them together like this, it's kind of frustrating that it doesn't get the fireworks that you want in the film. Um, and I was I was kind of interested uh, about this with you because in many ways this movie is about these people being two sides of the same coin. You have Cole and you have Sadie, and um, you know I, I thought it, it was interesting casting him as the kind of like and I made the joke the sea of blue guy, you know, where he just texts too much. He kind of comes on too strong, too fast. He's too needy. He kind of seems to be this person who wants people to complete him. Um, you know, he, he's, I don't he almost seems like one of those people who's just like in the idea of being in love. Like he's, he's in love with the idea of love, you know? And Mm -hmm. so that always kind of pushes people away. And so I thought it was interesting to have him be that character because, um, you know, I think regardless of how I felt about them together, I think Chris Evans actually pulled off that character really well. Uh, and, you know, he felt pretty real in that sense because, you know, I, I especially in my younger days, tended to be more of that type of person in, in general, which was like, you know, seeing the one everywhere. Mm-hmm. No, I think you definitely hit the nail on the head with he is clearly someone who is in love with the idea of love, that he romanticizes everything, and he's a little bit overkill with the amount of communication and, you know, what people would interpret as neediness or whatever, um, which, whether it's a man or a woman doing that, I, to me, would turn someone off. Um, you know, it's like, especially when you first start dating someone, it's like you want to be a little bit aloof because if you come on too strong, then the other person is like, whoa, I don't right. want to marry you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, yeah, I think that he definitely embodied that really well, um, like he's done with any character where he's very, you know, like supposed to be very green um, and he's just trying to make something happen. And you feel bad for him because he is genuine, but he just needs to calm down a little bit. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I think that's a hundred percent right. Um, and 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 it's also because this character becomes one of those people who is so obsessed with this idea of just kind of finding the one. Uh, you know, he he's not really willing to take on the risks and be working on himself, you know, and, you know, it, he he comes across as, as though he wants to be, he wants to have somebody basically come in and make his life complete, save him. And it's like, there's so much more to life than just, you know, uh, romantic relationships. And right. so I think that's a really interesting uh, thing to kind of see on screen because, you know, I think a lot of people kind of ended up in this position. And so, you know, they do a good job with um, kind of showing, I think, this trope through this character. And then, you know, they have his opposite, which is Sadie. And, and you know, she's kind of somebody who she's got no time for romance, you know, um, or giving up 
anything for another person. She's, you know, his antithesis, you know, everything kind of has to fit into her time and be done her way. And there's never going to be a point in her life where anyone is going to be really any kind of important to her. Um, And, you know, I thought, again, on the other side, regardless of how they fit together, I thought, you know, Anna Darmus did a pretty good job of being able to play that part of the story as well. Yeah, I I agree. I think that she obviously we both agree is a great actress. And then she came in and really embodied this character that's you can tell from the get go with that initial scene in her car that something is troubling her and she doesn't really get into it. But, you know, you hear her therapist or boss or whatever say no big changes. Take it one step at a time. So you can tell she's recently lost someone and is thinking about just completely changing her life to try and make things better, sort of by running away from life. Um, mm-hmm. And and then she's realizing that she's got some work to do on herself. Right. And uh, I love that they introduce that idea, you know, with the metaphor of the cactus or the begonia. Saying yeah. that she's got to learn to nurture. And she's saying, well, what's wrong with having something that just doesn't need a lot? And he's like, everything right. needs a little bit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I mean, I think what's interesting about, I think, these two is that, you know, yeah, they're two sides of the same coin, but there's absolutely just a better way to do this on all fronts. You know, you don't want to be uh, somebody who is basically codependent uh, and you'd also don't want to be on the other side where you're completely unaccessible. And, you know, I think one of the things that this movie shows is the way in which these people help each other become better versions of themselves by supporting each other in and pushing each other to get outside their comfort zones, you know, to, 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 to grow as a person, right? You know, in the end, Cole ends up actually going on trips with her as she's doing her spy thing, but he's doing the study work that he's always wanted to do for the book that he's been writing that got put on hold, you know, and she's learning that there needs to be a work life and there needs to be a personal life balance. And, And so... I just, I thought, you know, as cheesy as the movie is, it was doing a good job of actually showing a more healthy style of relationship, right? Where it's not everything to you, but the person actually helps you, like, become a better person. And I thought that was really cool. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that they got that across so well. I love um, showing the constant back and forth of how, You can have people that are complete opposites that somehow meet in the middle and enable each other to grow and step out of that version of themselves that wasn't Mm -hmm. working and was so limited before. Right. Um, And I love that they focus as well on the aspect of their relationship of like needing, quote unquote, us time of like just where you focus on the relationship and doing something with quality time together. Um, that that's important. And, you know, in the beginning, I also felt that with him, 
Cole's character didn't really care who it was that he ended up with either. He was just interested in romanticizing everything to the point that it didn't matter who the girl was. Right. And that shows when he's first getting to know Sadie and it seems like it's only going skin deep as far as how they get to know each other. You know, they spent one day together and suddenly he's like, I think she's the one. And his sister is like, are you kidding me? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I mean, I think again, there are many people in this world who have been on that side of things and totally understand where that person's coming from. Right. And Mm -hmm. so, um, and it was, it was also kind of one of those things where I was actually really hoping they weren't going to sleep together at that point because I felt mm-hmm. like it would have um, made that even stronger. When you come away from having that type of day where you like all of a sudden fall into this thing where you want to spend all of your time getting to know this person, I, I, I think it would have actually helped almost their like sexual chemistry if they hadn't actually slept together because yeah. that, tension would have continued to build right throughout the movie and so when then mm-hmm. when everybody's like telling them they should get a room right it make it then it, they it, could yeah exactly it feels better yeah. in that so um absolutely I, I think uh you know that that would have been better um i so i wanted to ask you uh this movie i it has a very deliberate tone i feel like it as throughout the film and do you feel like um that by kind of having this this tone of somewhat lightheartedness and kind of like going for the action romantic comedy type of thing um do you feel like it it keeps with that tone for for the film throughout and it's consistent do you feel like it deviates and you know, either way, do you feel like it ends up helping the movie that it kind of seems to have this tone? Well, I think you can definitely tell in the way that some of the scenes are shot um, and then also in the cameo appearances and things like that, which we'll get to later, um, that it is overall a more lighthearted action movie. Um, it The movie knows what it is and leans into kind of the campiness of everything. Um, you know, I'm thinking specifically of when she's driving the bus through Pakistan and the guys that she knocks off the truck are flying past the window in slow motion and they're showing Chris Evans face and then the guy's face juxtaposed. Um, I will say I'm not really a fan of that tone, <laughs> but um, I also don't think it's necessarily consistent, which actually hurts it. Um, I think that there are times when they seem to really take certain moments as they should more seriously. Um, And yet then they lean back into the campiness and the joke. And I think it cheapens the moments that you want to take a beat and soak in. Did you feel that way? I mean, that's really interesting because what actually one of the things that I kind of turned to my wife and said um, after the film was over is, I, I mean, I felt like the tone felt pretty consistent the whole movie to me um it it felt like they wanted it to kind of basically be a campy film and it it felt mostly like that was the tone throughout the entire thing um and 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 i i felt like that just like even you know in the beginning 
when they're meeting, like everything feels kind of like very tropey and everything. And then, um, you know, when they're all the action sequence, like you're talking about the fact that accent sequences don't take themselves that seriously. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, even the end action sequence is like that, you know, it's this very, very over the top, uh, action sequence. And, and it felt very much like this movie felt like a late Roger Moore bond film. Yeah. I would say that. Yeah. Like a, a parody of a bond film. I missed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, for all the craziness that we would have seen in something like Moonraker. Exactly. Or <laughs> uh, View to a Kill. Or, I mean, just any of those that were just, you know, ridiculous, right? And, you know, not either of our favorites when it came to Bond films. So, um, I think at the same time, I would say that this felt more consistent in the sense that this didn't feel like it went quite as far as those Roger Moore films did. You know, we weren't um, being over the top to the point where, uh, you know, again, you you mentioned Moonraker. We didn't go that far. Mm -hmm. So this isn't Anna de Armas in space. (laughs) <laughs> exactly exactly although you know i wouldn't mind seeing her as uh, a space film i think i think she could probably do it so yeah i <laughs> yeah. mean that's really interesting to me though that you know you felt like it was it was less consistent um and well so and the I, reason i'll say why just really quick was specifically the beach scene when he saves her from the plane and they're sitting there with the parachute when mm-hmm. they have that moment by the fire and they lean in for the kiss I think at any second, someone's going to make another joke. Someone's going to get shot. I see what you're saying, yeah. Like, they're going to take the moment away yeah. from you. okay, yeah. yeah. So it was like, I couldn't really accept that it was actually going to happen. Oh. <laughs> I can, no, I can definitely understand that. And I, I agree with you in that way, because I'm glad that they didn't, right? Like, those are moments mm-hmm. where it's like, they, they realized when to kind of lean into the the ultra more camping nature of things and and when to kind of withhold those because it the movie you know if it hadn't like had that moment specifically uh, i i think the movie would have been worse if it if if they hadn't allowed you to actually experience this moment where these characters have been through this major life and death experience he's proved himself in a way to her that that makes um i think him seem like a completely different person in her mind you know or or a a person that she didn't expect in her mind um Mm -hmm. she thought she had this guy pinned down and and now you know this whole thing has happened and it's like whoa you kind of see somebody in a new light um so yeah, I think without that that moment specifically, gosh, this movie would have been, I think, all the worse for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need those moments of actual depth and character building, and mm-hmm. not just yeah. constant jokes. Yes, I couldn't agree with you more. Couldn't agree with you more. Which you know we we've talked about many times is one of the things that have has hurt many a Marvel movies um, because they don't know when to stop. You know so. Mm-hmm. Um, 
what did you think, you know, we had uh, kind of a, basically our, our main villain throughout the film is Adrian Brody's arms dealer. And, you know, he's working for your, uh, Mr. Utami, which, you know, does it really matter in these type of films? Do you think that the villain doesn't really matter? Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is definitely one where it, because of the style of movie that it is and everything, it kind of could have been any actor and worked fine. Um, I will say I thought that his accent was much better than Tim Blake Nelson as the bug specialist that was torturing Chris Evans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Russian accent was really bad. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, yeah no I, and i like him as an actor but it just yeah yes. don't do it yeah <laughs> you know i um I, and i think adrian brody does well enough with the role so i I'm, i really didn't you know have too much of an issue with it um and again like i said uh, i it is interesting because like it doesn't it's one of those places where it doesn't really feel like it matters um whether they're they're really great. I mean, they're just terrible people, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and they're wanting to do terrible things, and that that's kind of what you get from this type of movie. And uh, I don't know if it would have helped the film itself be better if the villains had been better for what the main thrust of the movie is, which is about you know the the characters um, that. Uh, we have in you know Cole and Sadie being the the, the main characters, mm-hmm. so um, yeah. So this was also a film, Chrissy, where there were quite a few surprise cameos uh, that happened, uh, like uh, Anthony Mackie or John Chu, Sebastian Stan, Ryan Reynolds all show up. Uh, h- how did you feel about? you know, them being the bounty hunters after these two. I mean, you could definitely tell the casting choices were intentional because of the campy style of the movie. They were really leaning into that trope of other action movies where there's a million different bad guys that are all after the same gains coming after the the stars. Um, I mean, it almost felt like a fan of it. John Wick type of thing where everybody's an assassin. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So they were just leaning into that, which I get, but I I didn't love it um, because I wanted more depth. I think just overall the tone is not my thing, but um, it, it also, I think didn't work for me because it felt like it was a mix of um, a Marvel movie part two. Um, casting those specific actors all together in the same movie, it felt like you're just saying, oh, this is Captain America, Winter Soldier, um, Falcon 2.0. Yeah, yeah. And I think it would have been funnier and more um, interesting if they had cast different people rather than those people that have already done such big budget films together. Hmm. Yeah. Did you feel that way? Well, I, you know, it, I think it was funny that the first time that it happened, 
and like Anthony Mackie yeah. and then stop there. And I think it might have been funny if the Sebastian Stan character had been the only other one. But uh, it it did kind of get to the point to which it seemed like too much uh, and, and a little bit over the top, I think, when it came to the the idea of, of doing the cameos. And, and then it was also strange as well because those, except for Brian Reynolds, the other three are like get out of, get out of situation cards, you know, um, where mm-hmm. they, they're, they're used to take out another person, which allows, you know, something, you know, our, our characters to get away. And that, was a little bit frustrating to me, actually. Um, I, I don't know why that that needed to be the case, uh, and so I think that's where they really started to take away from the situation. Uh, instead of just being funny, they just be- became this thing that, oh well, we need the characters to be able to get away uh, from from what's going on here, uh, and so we'll just add in another you know cameo that allow basically you know another bounty hunter that allows them to, to be able to um, have the other bounty hunter killed and gives them the upper hand. And it just, it was, it was kind of frustrating. I, I think yeah. at that point. So, um, well, and I think especially too, if you throw in John Cho, everyone knows the most famous thing he is known for is Harold and Kumar go to white castle, mm-hmm. which is immediately like you're thinking, okay, what's the joke here? Yeah. You can't take him seriously as soon as you see his face. It's like it's like casting Kamel Nanjani. Yeah, no, couldn't you know? agree more. You know yeah. that he's usually there for the joke. So in Eternals, I was really confused. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, no, I, I think you're 100% right on that. Um, we, we did talk a little bit about this, but, uh, you know, just I wanted to ask you, because this is an action film, specifically what you actually thought of the action in the movie, did it work for you at all? Uh, was it, you know, well done? What'd you end up thinking? So I actually thought that a real strength here was the fight scenes. The choreography was very realistic and gritty and done well. I think actually maybe Anna de Armas had had some training um, and it looked cool. I think obviously the plane scene was a little ridiculous, but it was supposed to be... Um, you know, I'm thinking of them coming back together and bringing the codes and everything. Um, and they didn't even show the actual getting from the, the plane to the ground, which was weird to me. It felt like I was missing mm-hmm. something in an action movie. You kind of want to see the action of them falling. <laughs> um yeah, I I could totally understand what you're saying. Although I, I with the budget this movie probably had and did have, I I don't think I would have wanted to see it because it probably wouldn't have looked good. Uh, right, it just didn't have the budget there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. so I, I mean, I think uh, like you said that some of the action sequences with the fight scenes, especially Anna de Armas, uh, like you said, I think she's obviously uh, been. At, you know, upping her game when it comes to that for all the movies that she's been in recently. So I think she did a really good job and made me very excited actually to see the film uh, that she's going to be in, Ballerina. 
uh, mm-hmm. in the John Wick universe. I think that's going to be fantastic. I think there were some other not so great action sequences when it came to like the bus chase thing and and some of that yeah. stuff where it just doesn't look as great as you would want it to. But you know, some of it looked a little bit better than some of the Marvel movies I've seen recently. So you know. In the end, I think it was a little bit more of a mixed bag. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I, I w- you know, it was it was OK. I, I don't think it was one of those movies where it really stood out to me uh, at all uh, in that way. So um, mm-hmm. what 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 did you think too? something you had mentioned to me uh, that stood out, which was funny because normally I'm I'm the one where it stands out but you mentioned the music and so what was it about the music that really stood out to you here that it was lazy to be honest <laughs> um Lauren Balf did the music here um and I felt that overall it just seemed very lacking in imagination mm-hmm. or anything unique and that's something, especially having, you know, recently watched another Guardians movie that I really pick up on a lot is now, you know, looking back and seeing how um, that was something Gunn was really known for with Guardians right. 1 and 2 um, was how expertly he matched either the lyrics or the tone of the songs to the action in the scenes they were used. And here it just felt so much like somebody picked current popular songs and one or two throwbacks that didn't really Mm -hmm. matter in the scenes they were thrown into it was just filler music right and it could have been anything and you're like okay i mean i've heard my sharona a million times i love the song but it wasn't needed for the scene um and same thing Mm -hmm. for are you gonna be my girl it was like Look at her fight. She's awesome. Are you going to be my girl? And you're like, okay, we get it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that all of those are just really good points. I think there were some fun choices in there, but I think overall, um, you know, nothing really stood out to me or, you know, felt as though uh, it was as well thought out as you would have wanted it to be. Um, And, like you said too like it's not a lot of surprises there uh and so um calling it i you know i yeah i don't maybe not lazy but i i think i might just call it just uninspired right you know um mm-hmm. you know there wasn't anything in there where you're you're thinking wow they somebody really went through a bunch of songs and uh you know thought about this uh and you know, tried to make it fit for this film and, and make it feel unique to this film. Um, you know, it just felt like stuff that had been used in other movies uh, and worked in other movies and thought, oh, it'll work here. And so it, it wasn't mm-hmm. like I felt like somebody had put a lot of um, effort into it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, that is one point that I've said in talking about this movie is Perhaps there are things here that we didn't like that were intentional choices because of the tone that they wanted to go for. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. But we just didn't like them. (laughs) Yeah. No, couldn't agree with you more. I can't wait then uh, after the conversation so far, Christy, just to see what you're going to end up rating Ghosted. So I think that it had a few things going for it, but that 
overall it felt a little too uninspired and campy for my taste and not really memorable. And I think, you know, honestly, if they had gone for a new theme for some of the characters or situations music wise, that that might have added something um, or tried to add something to it to make it stand out more. I think when you make a movie, you still want it to make money. So <laughs> rewatchability could be a big factor. So I think that there are just some choices they could have made that would have made it much more interesting and memorable. Um, I did like that. I just wanted to throw out there was some filming locations in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, the fountain with the giant orb coming down from the ceiling was the Atlanta Marriott Marquis. Um, they're a little you know, circle where people pull up to check in. Yep. Been there many a times. Then, <laughs> right. Yeah. For Dragon Con. Um, and then the Polaris revolving restaurant. Um, obviously, it doesn't spin that fast for real, but um, it does revolve. So thought that was cool. Um, and just wanted to throw out there was a Star Wars cameo. Tia Sirkar. There was. Absolutely. No, On I the saw lie that detector. Too. I was like, I, I pointed that out to my wife. I was like, hey, do you know who that is? Uh, yeah yeah that was great um so there were some fun things but you know overall i just felt like it was a little bit too jokey for me for you know i think that it needed to have some more in-depth moments to make it more interesting and Mm -hmm. less derivative feeling i guess ultimately i'll say so i give it a two out of five revolving restaurants Mm. because i just wanted more and mm-hmm. I needed better chemistry from the two main actors. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. I think um, coming out of the film, I was feeling a little bit better about it. But it, in, in all honesty, just the more that I thought about the film and the more uh, that we talked about it, you know, I, I definitely am. I, I think it's fine. It's just not great and i think that's the place that i kind of end up with it and so uh i'm i'm gonna say that this is uh three out of five stars um you know it's mildly entertaining it's somewhat goofy and fun and i think there's some enjoyment here for sure uh but overall i think you know you're right on target in the sense that it felt like if you had put just a little bit more effort into this film that it really could have been something more special right you know um and mm-hmm. i think that's the thing that we get here is it just doesn't really feel special it just feels like a lot of other things that we've seen before um and you know uh i think especially in streaming movies right you do want to have things stand out and i don't think that this one stands out enough um and that's that's just too bad maybe we'll uh hit some streaming movies this um this year that that stand out more and i think we will because we've got some that are are, are going to be coming out with some some big names so i'm interested to see where we we go with those but christy 
It's now that time of the show where we do our recommendations. And so what would you like to recommend to everybody this week? So I'm excited about my recommendation this week because it is something new. I finally got to see it actually came out last year, so it's relatively new, but uh, it's called The Invitation. And it is a movie that uh, came out in theaters originally. It's now on Netflix for a while and stars Thomas Doherty and um, Natalie Emmanuel, who you may be familiar with if you watched Game of Thrones. Um, and it's a revival of Bram Stoker's Dracula, um, but with a little bit of a modern twist to it. Um, but really great um, thriller to watch, but it's not leaning horribly into the horror genre. So I think, Matt, you would still enjoy it. Okay. Um, and I like that they don't ever use the word vampire in the dialogue. Oh, nice. Um, okay. It's, yeah, very implied. And a lot of things are teased, but not shown toward till till toward the end. Um, so it's it's very interesting. It's definitely got that old fashioned dark vampire gothic vibe, um, and the set design and the costuming was beautiful. Um, nice. So I recommend people check out the invitation on Netflix because if you like vampire movies, you will like this. That's fantastic. Well. I'm going to recommend something that is also on Apple TV for everyone. It's called Still, and it is about Michael J. Fox. Uh, it is his story uh, about his life and uh, especially with dealing with his Parkinson's disease um, and you know how his life um, has progressed since then and just kind of an autobiographical documentary with him um, it's so good, and it's such an inspiring story to uh, you know his his wife uh, and his relationships is just one of the coolest, most amazing things you'll ever see. Um, and and it's such a testament to what true love really looks like. Um, and I was just uh, bowled over by how good this was and uh so i couldn't i i mean i just i cannot recommend this more highly uh that people check this out because it's fantastic uh but christy if people wanted to see what else you've got going on these days uh what else you're doing where would they find you of course you can find me on letterboxd instagram and twitter at bespin bell and in the Babel conference on facebook and then you know when i'm not here i did do a show called Sabers and Spells on the Skywalking Through Neverland Network with my friends Amanda and Teresa. And what about you? Well, you could find me all over social media other than the name Matt Rushing 2 uh, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and Pharaoh are the best places to find me. Uh, you can also find me, of course, here on the network outside the 602 Club with literary tracks about the books and the comics of Star Trek. Uh, the Orb, we're doing our 30th anniversary rewatch of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Warp 5, we've got our 20th anniversary rewatch of Star Trek Enterprise going on. Saddle Up is about to return here in June as the second season of Strange New World starts. And then the Artificial Tango just finished Star Trek Picard Season 3, and we'll have more coming for that show for you soon. So check all of that out. And then over on the Nerd Party, there are two different shows. One is called Owl Post, which was with Drea Kaufman, and we did every single chapter of the Harry Potter series one chapter at a time 
as well as aggressive negotiations, a Star Wars podcast I do with the great John Mills. But thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you hear? Thank you.